Just when you thought it couldn't get any wilder on the Legendary Marriage Podcast, today we're talking about kink with Coach Veronica Jans. Her goal is to get couples to embrace the kinkier side of sex in a safe and fun way. Yeah, she'll give us the lowdown on what we need to know about kink and BDSM and how to incorporate them into life with our spouse, even if we've never done it before. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Welcome to episode 64 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast, and we're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. That's right, and every week we are bringing you inspiration, encouragement, and of course a challenge to help you build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. And sex. Yes, all this month we're bringing you sex, 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 and more sex. Yeah, you've been warned. So kids maybe need to be out of the room for this one. Again, we probably should have said that before we screamed sex, 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 and more sex. But we want you having the conversations that matter. Get you on the same page so you can build more intimacy and connection. And this conversation with Veronica Jans, man, it's just going to break through the misconceptions of being kinky. And move you into a safe and fun exploration of kink and BDSM. I'm going to tell you, it was awkward for us and stretching and Mm -hmm. challenging in a lot of ways. But on this episode, we're going to go through the preparation of having a kink conversation with our spouse, incorporating household items into sex that may be a bit out of the box Mm -hmm. and taking the intimidation out of BDSM. There's taking all it's it's a big the, leap to take the intimidation out but, of BDSM but here's for the me. Thing. Here's the thing. We want you to take this ride with us today. Listen to the episode, the whole thing, and then decide where you want to be on it. I'm and the, have a conversation with you. I'm spouse. the first person to admit I have a lot of preconceived notions and judgments about a lot of the stuff around kink and BDSM. And you'll find this in the conversation. It's like um, I somehow had this collapsed distinction in my head that, you know, if you're kind of getting into the kinkier stuff, it's like a dark thing or a perverse thing or something. And it can be. It can be. It can be. Like anything, ice cream can be dark and perverse. What? Anything can be. And I, and I think I, I'm just, I really want to urge our listeners to come with an open mind and listen to the conversation that we had with Veronica and then have a conversation with your spouse. Because the purpose is we, we don't care how kinky or unkinky you want to be in your, your relationship. Doesn't matter to me. Don't care if what you want to do does not matter. Not interested in hearing it. Please don't tell us. What we are interested in doing is giving you great opportunities to have conversations that matter, that build more intimacy and connection in your relationship. I, and this is one of those chances. And I love how she really focuses on the approach, too. Yes. She um, doesn't say, like, just bring out a pile of 80 feet of rope and say, let's go at it, honey. Like, she really gives us a way to kind of gear up and get into it in a f- safe way that's going to feel well received i think let's let's just move into the interview before we make any more unintentional innuendos <laughs> all right let's join our conversation with veronica jans so we are joined today on the podcast by veronica jans and she 
is the founder of Desires Laid Bare. And what she's really about is just stripping away the layers of expectation of society, friends, family, shame. And so you can just feel free to explore the kinkier side of things in a safe environment. So welcome to the show, Veronica Jans. Glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you guys. Yes, oh, okay. we, are, we are thrilled <laughs> to have you and, on the show. And honestly, a little intimidated. Uh, yeah, yeah, more than a little. So Veronica is this all is, about... This is going to get awkward in the most wonderful ways. Yeah, she's okay. coaching about kink and BDSM. So for those of you that don't know, just tell us what is BDSM real quickly, and then I want to get into your story. Okay, sure. But before I go into that, since it could get awkward, do you guys want to establish some safe words? And if you guys call out the safe Uh, word, then we'll switch topics. Our safe word is pineapple. Got it. Because I was going to say super fragile, Kella, Lexa, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would just avoid doing that safe word because I would be afraid (laughs) I'd mess it up. Okay, well, let's talk about kink and BDSM. (laughs) Yes, it can be. (laughs) But as you can see, it's, there's a lot of stereotypes and assumptions and stigmas that go along with it. And the fact that we're already laughing about it is already starting to shift that paradigm. So I'm really excited to chat with you guys about this. So let me actually ask you guys first, what do you both think kink and BDSM are? And then I'll tell you. Mm. Oh, I think, ladies first. I think of BDSM. <laughs> I think of BDSM is the more like the the bondage, the dominatrix, that kind of a thing. And then kink, I feel like is more like just like the fun, ver- less scary version of BDSM. Oh, oh, like like there's a scale. Yeah, like there's a scale. Yeah. Like BDSM is like the serious, like eyes wide shut creepy we, scary oh, that movie like oh my god people are like smacking the bejesus out of each other and tying each other up and yeah there has to be a safe word i do know that there's something about a safe word what, what do you know justin well i'll 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 answer from the perspective of just my natural knowing yeah um not like because i've done a lot of research justin's been googling a lot um, just because we're talking about this stuff all month in yeah. different ways. And so I, I think the publicized kind of concept of it, like what what's in the culture, particularly, I think the the Christian subculture is ah, what? Very just scary, violent, uh, demeaning, destructive, and damaging. It's Does behaviors like and patterns that are <laughs> that are deeply rooted in in self-destructive, far from God craziness, and so we judge it, condemn it, criticize it, and throw it in a hole and, and throw it away. Uh, on both cases, to me, I think uh, kink is just it, it's. I, I like the way Danielle put it: the fun, funny kinds of like just a little bit of goofiness, adding a little bit of something goofy or funny or adventurous to physical intimacy, to sex. Um, and I think, you know, I think BDSM is, is yeah, I, like I liked your kind of spectrum analogy, Danielle. Yeah. Yeah. And Veronica yeah. now is worried that Justin is like all judgy and everything, but mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. But the truth no. is, 
we're interested to learn some more. So tell us what really yeah. is it? <laughs> I love, I know. I love it when you guys give your answers. Cause it also helps me understand, especially when my audience are people who have probably never been exposed to this or just they're like, I want to explore kink for whatever many different reasons and they don't know where to start. So my job is what I do is I guide people into starting in a really healthy, educated and resonant way. And when I say resonant, I'm like, I'm not going to have you explore kink in a way that doesn't make sense for you. This has to align with you, mind, body, and heart. Otherwise it's not going to be as effective in your, or as fun in your exploration. And I actually really liked your, the both of yours as explanation. And so this is what I've come up with. And I agree with what you said, Danielle, and I also disagree, but let me explain to you what I've learned. So over the years as a kink educator, people often ask me, they're like, what does it mean to be kinky? And I'm like, okay, I fire it back. What do you think it means to be kinky? And they'll give me explanations like, well, I feel like it's like getting tied up or things that I wouldn't do. So anything that I wouldn't do is considered kinky. And so it's just hundreds and hundreds of definitions. And the reason why I realized why it did not have an easy definition that you can just kind of look up in the dictionary per se is because everybody is so different. So to me, kink is about embracing and exploring your sexuality, your relationships, and your life in a way that goes against the grain of what society expects from you. And so kink is very much a moving, sliding scale. So what may be kinky for you could be what you two do every Tuesday night. And what may be kinky for me could be too kinky for somebody over here that they would never dream of in a thousand years. So right. that so is all relative to the person. Exactly. So how do you know when you become kinky? So if you're talking about a line, so kink is such, it's hard to be tangible. So I'm trying to make it tangible for people. It's like, how do you know when you've crossed over to the kink spectrum? It's like, well, well when you want to try things that are, are outside different of what you normally do. Are expected of you. Right. And so then BDSM is actually a subset of kink. Okay. So BDSM, the, the letters B, D, S, and M are acronyms for, in my opinion, a specific practice within the kink world. Because if you're talking about crossing into a world of things that you're never, you've never done that you don't know what society expects from you. It's like, it's like a wild, wild west out there. There could be so many things. So BDSM is a specific practice focusing on bondage and discipline. So the B and D dominance and submission, the D and S and then sadism and masochism, the S and M. Okay. And so and over so the years, people do find that to, because it's so outside of what you know, like you said, society expects from you, it's kind of unknown. So we just only know what we see, like in movies, like 50 Shades is coming out this week. Another one. Another 50 the last Shades of Grey. Yeah, the last one. And so I feel like it, it's kind of like this unknown thing. And a lot of people are scared of it. Should we be scared of BDSM? Absolutely not. And when you talk about like it being scary or being serious, especially in BDSM, it's actually a huge misconception 
And so there are so many myths and uh, misconceptions surrounding it. So if you take someone like me, uh, laughter, humor, sarcasm, optimism, it's a huge part of who I am as a person. And therefore, it translates into who I am in the kink and BDSM world. And so I love laughing when I'm getting tied up. I love being able to joke with my partner who we engage in a dominant submission relationship with. Hence, this is the collar that he actually handmade. And so it's a it's symbol simple. of our of our wedding ring, but it's yeah. on my neck. And and because it, people can't see, it, Veronica's wearing this really kind of a beautiful, it's like a, it's like a kind of an industrial kind of cable with a little heart lock as a, a necklace is what, I mean, I, if I saw you on the street, I'd say, oh, that's a cool necklace. It wouldn't think to right. me as, as a collar. It's interesting. Yeah, he, he bought the pattern off Etsy and like took eight strands of sterling silver, wove it together and then put a stir, like a steel cable through it so it won't yeah. break. <laughs> this thing is not going anywhere. <laughs> And neither am I. There we go. (laughs) So, so yeah, when we talk about BDSM being very, very serious, that's, that's true. There are people that enjoy practicing BDSM in a very, very serious manner. There's no room for laughing, no room for giggling. And you know what? That's just not me. And so earlier when I talked about helping people explore kink in a way that's resonant for them, if laughter and fun and lightheartedness are something that you both treasure, why would exploring kink in such a serious, stiff, and rigid manner makes sense for the both of you. It wouldn't. My goal with BDSM and kink is to help you be more you. So we talk about stripping away the layers as you introduced me as, and that's why my brand is about being laid bare, is because how can you thrive under all these layers of expectations and assumptions if you can't even find who you are? So it's like to strip away all that. How did you get into... Um, kink and BDSM like I mean as it's it's got to be one of those things that you know well to us to us it's like just our upbringing everything it's it's just so far and all of it's so far out of the the box like it yeah how did where where do you come across that yeah how did it even come on your radar it's like the kid who grows up in Iowa seeing you know at 21 years old going to the to the beach for the first time for spring break like yeah (laughs) there where did that come from yeah so I actually didn't know when I wanted to explore kink until I was in college and doing a lot of like introspection I'm like oh this is just who I am because I'm like I'm, I'm always curious as to how things come about so I'm like how did I get into this and If I'm to be super, super honest, I actually have been kinky since I was four. And the reason why I say this is because I remember as a kid, I would not stop watching Aladdin, especially the scene when like Jafar shackles Jasmine and then throws her into that hourglass and takes her hostage and prisoner. I mean, that was so memorable to me that it's like I almost burned out the tape. You could of the video because anytime I got to that part in the VHS, it would kind of got like a little scrappy and staticky. And for those who don't know what a tape or a VHS is, (laughs) go Google it. Yeah. But at the time you were four, you just thought it was cool. I just remembered wanting to be her. Yeah. And so like wanting to be her so bad that I would always ask my mom, I'm like, I would like to be the red Jasmine. 
for Halloween. And she's like, okay, so she'd buy me a Jasmine outfit, but it was blue because she didn't understand the concept of the red versus the blue. But I'm like, I don't want to be the boring Jasmine who flies on a magic carpet. I want to be the one shackled and thrown into an hourglass. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a costume you got to come up with. Now here's, yes. and here's my question too, is like, how does your... You talk about your upbringing and your family, like how do um, your family and, you know, just the culture that you're steeped in and everything, how do they react to you being a kink and BDSM coach? Well, I just came out to my mom, like maybe last year, but so as growing up, yeah, I was like, mom, I'm kinky. And she's like, great, because it's now 2017 at the time I told her. And so but growing up, I mean, I'm, I grew up pretty traditional Chinese. And so a lot of what I knew was about women were, you know, kind of meant to be seen, but not really heard. We were subservient to the male figures. We had to take care of our parents. It's just what you would expect from a traditional Chinese family. I lived it. Even though I was born here, my family immigrated here in the early 80s. Um, I was born here, but I didn't learn English till I was six when I went to kindergarten because my grandparents did not want me to forget the three languages that I had known prior to that. So, wow. So it was it's, it was a struggle growing up in a bicultural family. Being anytime I went to school, I was uber uber American, and then anytime I came home, I was really really Chinese. And so, oftentimes the cultures would clash, and not in good ways. One, in the Chinese culture, you'd be expected to do do this, whereas in the American culture, you're supposed to undo what the Chinese culture just said. And so I would have driven myself crazy had I tried to appease both sides. So I think that's when I started learning to pick and choose things that matter to me from each culture to build who I was, to carve my own path in this life, because otherwise I would have gone insane. (laughs) So, yeah. so the kink thing was not fully embraced in the Chinese culture is what you're saying. No. Oh my goodness. No. It's just, it's funny. Cause my, my partner just met my grandmother last week and it was an interesting, not to say we came out and be like, hi grandma, we're kinky, and like, <laughs> but it's just like her actually distaste for just even Americans still given all that she's been through. I mean, they escaped the Khmer Rouge and everything. Mm. So she's had a a tougher relationship with people that are not Chinese. And so it's like, even just introducing a Caucasian partner to her, she was just like, really? You couldn't, you you had to like go be with a white person. I'm like, you're like, well, wait, grandma, it It gets, it gets better. (laughs) (laughs) So the topic of kink is not talked about in my family, except for the time I told my mom, like, by the way, she's let you know, I've accidentally called my partner, master or sir in front of you. This is why. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of, no matter what the culture is, I feel like there's just a lot of probably shame for people mm-hmm. that feel like they have that kinkier side to them. And like you said, it's not expected. So people try to kind of push it down and, you know, I must be weird or I must be a pervert or something like yeah. that. And they try to push it down. So um, how do you encourage people to kind of come out of that and embrace their kinkier side? It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, especially when you have so much going against you in a way. 
like what society society expects from you, your community, your family, it's really hard to come into who you are in a sense. And so how I would always tell people is to journal. I know it sounds super unsexy because you don't see people journaling in 50 shades of gray (laughs) or those erotic novels, but like I read one of the books when they, several years ago, Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sexy journaling. Go <laughs> maybe, on. You, maybe you journaled about it, honey. <laughs> I mean, my journal, if you read some of my journals, they're pretty mm-hmm. sexy, but <laughs> go on, go on. So it's about learning to be okay with yourself first. And generally I recommend people to journal about it because it's just you and the paper. No one's going to come between you and no one's going to see these thoughts unless you ever want to share them. And so it's a way of like, testing the waters, right? So some people test the waters by doing. Some people need to start maybe a little bit further back and test the waters by just even acknowledging and writing the words, I think I am kinky. And those words could be the hardest words they write regarding this journey because you're, by seeing it in front of you, you're bringing it to life. You're breathing it into existence, which means that you can't deny it anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's writing. And then if you're feeling a little more adventurous, there's also talking, especially if you are in a relationship, committed relationship. I love people that are in committed relationships that explore kink because it's so beautiful to see them start and then see them transcend into how and transcend into something that they would have never expected because kink was the catalyst for that. So kink is all about trust, right? Kink and BDSM. I'll use them interchangeably, but remember kink is like that top umbrella term and then BDSM is just like a a smaller subset. So it's like when couples talk about kink, it's scary because you deep down don't know if you can trust your partner to be accepting of these thoughts. I mean, like I said, this is just a conversation. I'm not coming up to my partner and going like, here, here's some ropes, please tie me up. It's more like, this may be something that I'm interested in. I didn't say I am interested. It's maybe something I'm interested in. And that conversation itself can be scary because it's like, what is your partner going to say? What is your significant other going to think? Are they going to think that they married the wrong person? Right? So there's a lot of uncertainty that happens when it comes to this. And I've developed a lot of tools and ways in which people can ease into that conversation that makes sense for them. So that's why I feel like when it comes to even thinking about exploring, I don't really recommend people diving right in, even though I did. Yeah. Yeah. Because my situation was different. Everyone's situation was different. Last week when we were talking with... Susan, uh, she's talking about your erotic blueprints and kink is one of them and everything. And, and it was really interesting the way, the way you're reinforcing exactly what she said, which is cut past the, well, I saw this on TV or this is the thing I want to do into the here's, here's let's, let's have a conversation around it. Let's talk about the desire underneath it and see, you know, one, if it's healthy and two, how how we want to explore it together how do you know yes. if it's healthy that's my question is because i feel like we come with these preconceived notions about 
you know, it's weird or scary or unhealthy or whatever. How do you know what is healthy and what is not? So the foundation of kink when you explore, so there's no right way to explore something. So you'll see people be like, like you mentioned earlier, BDSM is something very, very serious or whatever it is. And kink is more the lightheartedness. So that's somebody's opinion or assumption that somehow translated to your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so there's no one, there's no right or wrong way to explore it. There, the only wrong way is the unsafe and unhealthy way. And so when we talk about safety, the foundation of a successful kink journey, in my opinion, is communication, honesty, and trust. Without those three. I love that. I, I love that. That sounds way less scary. <laughs> it, it, well, can I scary in a whole new other way? <laughs> the the so, foundation of communication, honesty, and trust is less scary to you than the foundation chains of and ropes and c- cinder block dungeons and, and yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, that's, the Hollywood eyes. Yeah, right. Crazy. Right. Yeah. See, it's not sexy, right? It's totally not sexy because who wants to talk about trust, communication, and honesty when you can show somebody having really hot sex? Right. It's yeah. not good for the bottom line. <laughs> sure. No matter how you cut it, when you when you open up and have a conversation like this, you're going to get to a place of greater emotional uh, connection and intimacy. Absolutely. And, and that's that that's the biggest. That's the win. For us, that's a win. If couples go walk away from this episode and sit down and have some kind of conversation about the topic, they're going to end up in a place, if they do it respectfully and with curiosity and, and the things that we keep teaching, you're going to end up in a place of deeper connection and intimacy. We'll be back with our conversation with Veronica Jans in just a minute, but we want to tell you about an opportunity we don't want you to miss. Yeah, we talk about this all the time, how important having a community around you really is. It's important for men to have a group of men. It's important for women to have a group of women. And it is essential for couples to have a community of other couples around them. So join us each Thursday evening at 8 o'clock Central for the Marriage Masterclass, where we break down those tough conversations that couples really need to have to build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll give you the skills that you need to come out on the other end, even closer than ever. And get this, we only offer this inside of our community on Facebook. So check it out at legendarymarriage.com slash community. Come join our tribe of couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage and be a part of the conversation. We know you'll love it. Now back to our conversation with Veronica Jans. So speaking of curious, I'm really curious just a a little bit more about the BDSM thing. And you said you call your partner, sir, or, you know, what were the other words you said? So we've changed from, so to be quite honest, um, because my goal is never to intimidate or scare people, but I totally trust you guys. And that I actually live a 24-7 master-slave relationship with my partner. And so people often are like, wait, Veronica, you're like the most outspoken, stubborn, like ambitious, wannabe seven-figure entrepreneur, Forbes magazine person. How can you be a slave? And so, you know, BDSM come, you know, we, the vernaculars that we carry is something that 
was created a while ago. And so it was just the best way to label the dominant submission than progressing to master-slave spectrum out there. So we live a 24-7 master-slave relationship. And how that's different than a dominant-submissive relationship is that, and to us, this could be different if you ask another couple, I, I swear to this, but the difference between DS and MS is the ability to negotiate in consent. So as a submissive, if my dominant tells me to do something, I can technically negotiate and be like, well, I don't like this. However, when you move into a master-slave relationship, if my partner tells me to do something, I can say I don't want to do it, but at the end of the day, it's at his discretion. And it takes a lot of trust, communication, and honesty, and love to be able to put so much faith in your partner to lead your relationship that you're not constantly questioning, is he doing this in the best interest for me? I think you, you touch on something that's that, I mean, it, it, as soon as you lay out the terms master-slave relationship, it, it does conjure up so much judgment. Like I, I felt that when you said it just now, I felt like, oh, you pointed at this. The heart of it is we're going to, truly care for one another rather there's no malice there's no degradation there's no there's no destructiveness behind it correct so let me change this a little bit for you while we may be master slave so kink and bdsm is very much a mental game and it's very very mindset emotional mental focus the tip of the iceberg unfortunately, is what we see like 99% of the time. And that's the physical, the sex, the bondage, Mm -hmm. because it's hard to portray the inner stuff externally. Yeah. So, but especially dominance and submission, it's very much mindset focused. And our mindset is that even though we're a master slave, I see him as a CEO of of our company and he sees me as his COO. He has the vision. I, as a COO, trust him to lead our relationship, and I will do my part to give feedback and to do what I need to do to make our relationship move forward. And then at the same time, because there is no master without slave, there's no dominant without submission, submissive. So at the same time, he has a lean on me and trust me that I can do what I need to do to make our relationship cohesive. So that's how our relationship has risen. I love that analogy. Um, and I'm also thinking about like in, in the role of a leader or a, a dominant in this language, the weight of that responsibility the, of, of not just prov- providing safety, but creating trust, providing safety, communicating, um, and, and, and having a vision that's, that's not selfish, but, but serving uh, that, that feels heavy. That, that feels heavy to me in, in a good way. Yeah. Right. I feel like there's heavy and lightness on both sides, I think, because yeah. if you are the submissive, you know, yes, you want to have power, but I feel like sometimes Justin and I talk about this a lot of times, <laughs> there's such decision fatigue in a lot of things. Sometimes there's nice just to have, someone that you can depend on that is, you know, hey, 
well, I'm just going to say what it is. And that's, the, that's the last of it. But yeah. the reason I made that decision is because I'm keeping in mind and you're trusting that he is in a healthy place and that he is making decisions that's best for the both of you. Yeah. So I could see it both places. But the thing is, Justin and I are not going to flip a switch today and become master slave. Like that's no, not no. happening. <laughs> and no. I know you didn't get to that place either. You didn't yeah. just flip a switch. So this has been a whole journey. Let, let's 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 break it down a little bit. I want to, I want to recap because I know folks are having a hard time you know, battling the inner critique of this. So kink is just this, a little bit of freedom to explore what makes you different and unique. Yeah. And, and particularly in the context of your sexuality. Great. Yes. The heart of kink and BDSM is never demeaning or destructive to either person. It's really about a way of embodying, of expressing in tangible ways, communication, honesty, and trust, which are the core, the heart of, of marriage. I love it. Um, so let's say that, that a couple out there wants to, wants to ex- experiment with this a little bit. Maybe they've journaled. Maybe they've had a yeah. conversation already. Yeah. Where does, you know, is so there wh- like a pack of like ropes and stuff for dummies like how do we get started here so let's break down let's break down the bd and the s and the m Mm -hmm. Uh, what's a place for a couple to start with um with bondage so it's funny because i just filmed a bondage basics class with my really good friend who's been doing this for over 50 years and so my favorite place to start is in the bedroom in your house because now that I've unlocked my mind, like, so to say, it's like, I can see things in my house with like a kinky lens that I could take to play with. So your house is actually the best dungeon out there because it's not only your safe space. I'm not kidding. Your bedroom, like I can just go into your bedroom right now. And I'm like, I probably can pull out 20 things that you two could use for bondage for sensation play your kitchen we won't even touch that but there's just so much out there as well it's like if you want to talk about having bondage fun in a safe way that makes you feel at ease in a way it's like go to your bedroom go grab a scarf grab a tie you can use pillowcases they'll smell like the both of you it's, you know, it's something you wear all the time. It's like that trust, you're building that intimacy and trust factor because you're using things that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, yeah that makes sense. That does make sense. Because that makes it a little less scary. If Justin comes comes to me and says, you know, let's wait, try the BDSM wait. thing, I'm thinking like, you know, barbed wire and like scary chains and stuff like that. I I like ties and scarves. You, you're better. picturing Marley. Funny. You're picturing Marley from A Christmas Carol. No, I. <laughs> you know, yeah, Danielle, you sure are really going towards the scary stuff. So it's I like think she's really kinky. <laughs> she just doesn't yeah. want to admit it. Wait till I get unlocked, baby. Whoa. So how can we bring that back? And Because you, you don't feel, you don't, just from talking to you, you don't seem like, so here's coaching, but you don't <laughs> seem like someone who's super, super scary and super, super intimidating. Okay, mom, being a mom in like mom mode does not count. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I can. Yeah, there scary. are moments when yeah. they're yeah. But it just you seem so lighthearted and fun, and so it's like, how can we help you reassociate BDSM in a way that aligns with who you are, and instead of talking about the barbed wire, the craziness that you mentioned? It's like all that. <laughs> Some people get really turned on by that. Some people get really turned on by moments of seriousness. I do yeah. as well. But at the same time, if I can't joke or poke fun of my partner without him being offended or having other people who see us play think yeah. that I'm disrespectful, then I'm not going to explore kink because it's not resonant to who I am. Let's jump over to the discipline piece because this one's got some some hair on it, I think. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, what, what is that and where do, where do you even really begin? Role play, without a doubt, role play. So if you want to talk about discipline, there are so many scenarios. And so I have all, so as an aside, I have lots of worksheets or ref, like resources that I've created, even quizzes for your listeners to take so they know where to start. So a lot of people are like, I want to explore kink now. I've had the conversations. I've done the journaling. What now? So it's like, I can give you a quiz that I've created and you can start based on what sounds good to you on your answers. But we talk about discipline, role play, absolutely role play. And role play can get a little crazy because you're like, well, when do I stop? When, if I need to call a timeout, how does that happen? So it's like all of this you can discuss with your partner. And it doesn't have to be like you go to a bar and pretend to be strangers. It literally could be a 10 minute thing. Because people, when they assume they, when they think about kink or BDSM, they're like, I either have to go all in or I'm not kinky at all. And I'm like, you can incorporate kink into your life 10% of the time and it would be fine. So role play is a fun one because sometimes just talking to your partner in bed without acting it out gets you comfortable to moving into that discipline stage. So like if you are interested in say a teacher student relationship, for instance, those naughty fantasies, you can talk to each other in bed without actually doing anything. I mean, that pretty much gets me hot and bothered anyways, because like I said, kink is so emotionally and mental for me. I'm very emotionally driven that way. And so it's like, my partner doesn't have to do anything. He can just talk to me and I'll be like, okay, I'll do whatever you want. Just <laughs> give me what I, what you're saying. Right. So yeah. talk to each other, start small. I'm all about starting small. Okay. And then the, the D and the S, the dominant submission, um, uh, speak to that a little bit and, and where, okay. where might couples try to start that? I already think that's actually the most natural way because in relationships, it's just natural for couples to take a partnership, like break, you know, you separate the, the tasks. One partner takes one set of tasks, another takes another. And so... It's more common for me to see partners take a more, one partner be the leader of the relationship, not to say they're the only sole breadwinner and all that because we're in 2017 people, but like <laughs> somebody will take the lead in the relationship and it's going to be a natural progression. And sometimes couples switch off. There are some times where somebody takes the lead and the other backs away. And then sometimes they switch. That's totally common. So in terms of dominance and submission, that's the easiest, less like the least amount of resistance in terms of coming into kinky play. And so you can talk to your partner. You're like, look, honey, you already take the lead in our relationship. And I was wondering if you could do that some more in either in the bedroom or outside. Like kink and BDSM never has to be sexual. 
your relationship can deepen, your intimacy can deepen, your relationships can be elevated without having sex ever. It's just sexual energy comes up because when you explore kink and BDSM, you're tapping into like your lizard brain and brilliant. the primal aspect of what we humans were brought on earth to do was to procreate, right? So that sexual energy comes up when logic goes away because you're so focused on the emotions. That's when the sexual energy comes up. So don't deny it. I mean, it's just natural. Honor it. And if you don't want to act on it, don't. So let's talk about non-sexual dominance and submission. You can, this is what my partner and I do, is that I never order at a restaurant anymore unless he tells me to. We will, we will split the plate. It's good for our waistlines as well. So like, sure. he, he basically just, he knows what I can and cannot eat, which I actually can eat everything. He knows what I can and cannot eat. And so he will make that decision based on what he wants. And so that's an aspect of dominant submission right there. You are taking control and taking charge of the relationship. So that's a really easy way to start. Or it could be like you can tell your partner to speak up a little more. Tell me to do the dishes or tell me, tell me how I can serve you. So we talked about service earlier. Yeah. Service is a big part of our relationship. So I can speak to this personally. Yeah. And, and, and vice versa, right? Like, like, Hey, I'm, I am done making decisions. Like it's the end of the week. I've had a, I've been traveling all week. This is, this is me right now. I've been mm-hmm. traveling all week, crazy hours this week. I'm going to be traveling for work next week. It, like I am, everybody keeps looking at me for decisions and leadership in all these different areas. Yep. I'm kind of done. It's, it's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. I'm done for the week, babe. Can you just just like make it happen. Tell me or tell me what to do and I'll make it happen. Yeah. Point me in the, point me in the right direction. Tell me what you want. I, I just, Oh, that's brilliant. Just the, the moment of saying, just tell me what you want rather than making me try to read your mind. Exactly. And so that's actually a huge misconception in BDSM, especially in dominance and submissive relationships is that they think that the dominant is supposed to cure all your ailments, cure all the baggage that you carry, and also read your mind and know exactly what you want. Don't get me wrong. My partner knows me better than I know myself because he took the time to read me. He like, he basically can read me like a book, which I hate. Sometimes. <laughs> but then I love it at the same time, but then I hate it, but then I love it. Sure. And so, but it takes a lot of communication and time and trust. All the things that I talk about in terms of building a foundational a good foundation for kink. And so, yeah, request to be like, look, can you just take charge for the weekend? It doesn't have to be sexual. You could be like, tell me all the things that you want me to cook. Friday, yes. cook this, Saturday, cook that. And so, or when you go out to dinner, I would not like to make decisions anymore. You know, being that you are in a committed relationship, which is why I love it when people are in committed relationships and explore kink, because it's like, you already know each other. It's like, you know what I like, you know what I'm allergic to. Is it possible for you to just tell me for the next week what we're, what I'm eating? You don't have to split a plate, but just give that decision-making to somebody else. So that is engaging in DS right there. Um, I would actually really love that. I know. I was just thinking <laughs> that. We, there was an episode last month. We were talking about uh, health and fitness all month and... Um, one of the things that just kept coming up for Danielle is I just need to plan. 
I don't want to have to make the decisions. Tell me what you want to eat. I will make it. I just need to find a recipe. Like, yeah, like in my happy place, Justin would lay out the plan of what to eat for the week and I would just make it. Yeah. And that would be hey, it. Hint, hint, hint. That would be my happy place too. <laughs> but neither one of us would do it. <laughs> let's 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 not but, talk about last night's chicken Olay. Anyway, well, moving right so along. There, there are a lot of couples that like to switch off. So they're called it's called switching. Now, yeah. If two people are so peer switches, meaning you 50% of the time want to leave, 50% of the time don't, and you're also partnered with the same person. My partner's suggestion was to come up with like a like a red and green index card. So like you can leave it on your side of the bed stand, she can leave it on her side, and depending on what you're feeling that day, you'll just put the card facing. So if you both are feeling dominant that day, well, you're going to have to talk about it. But if it just so happens that your partner flipped it to the submissive side and you kept it on the dominant side, you're like, I have a mode of communicating and we didn't have to say a single word. I just know I can take charge of the relationship today in a way. Yeah. You know, I love that. And and there's this phrase that's come up uh, as I was reading about this. It's the idea of dominance and submission being a willing exchange of power. And I think I'm, I'm going to go into the relationship world for just a second. I, I think you're absolutely right, Veronica. There are times when one person leads or drives us in, in our relationship um, about something. Like when we, were, we went through nine years of battling infertility and Danielle drove that. And if she hadn't, I mean, life would be very different in a very bad way. And I'm grateful for that because I didn't, I didn't have the vision there. I didn't have the, the, I didn't have the vision there. And then there are times when. Like I've, when we started our company, yeah. like when we started a legendary marriage, yeah. Justin was the driver. So I, I think. That's so you know, beautiful. The, the notion that, that you have to be a, a dominant all the time. And, and I think this is this is part of what the the gender stereotypes play to, and the relationship stereotypes play to. The man has to make every decision and make his woman go along with it, and women have to sit down, shut up, and and do what they're told. And and I think oh, that's kind of hot. No, she- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if, I'm going to punch him, and you're like, this is hot. If you know, it's all about maybe consent, maybe right? you would like it if I punched him. Can I punch you? No, honey? no, oh, thank okay. you. Um, so I think there, there's something important about that, that balance and the shifting, or you mm-hmm. called it switching that, that I think is an interesting place to play. And I, I like, I want to play with that a little bit in our, in our relationship. Yeah. I want to explore that a little bit. Let's let's, cause we're running out of time. I want to jump into the, uh, <laughs> poor choice of words. Um, the S and the M, the, the sadism and masochism. And this is the one that frankly, for me has the, I have the most resistance about, I have the most judgment about it. So lay it out for us. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we start? Yeah. Okay. Why do you have resistance to sadism? Um, Because it's just, it seems like this is the part that I immediately associate with borderline abusive, abusive, hurtful, damaging, destructive behaviors. But is it considered destructive or abusive if your partner is asking for it and has enthusiastically said, please, I would like to try? I Then I'm going 
like straight up, my inner judgment goes, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, why do you want me to hurt you? I have a well, friend why do you that want to hurt exactly me? this. Yeah. He is the most loving father of like three kids. But yet he is also one of the biggest sadists that I know. And he battled with this inner gremlin a lot. He's like, what if I lose control and I end up moving from BDSM to abuse? Because the line between BDSM and abuse is can be blurry, but that's my job is to help you not have a blurry line, but to have a solid, okay, is there a safe word there? Is there a way to stop this? Is there a way to gauge when both parties have consented? Right. So the difference between abuse and BDSM is consent. Yeah. I don't deny the dark sides of BDSM. Like for me personally, I enjoy being taken advantage of, right? Like against my will. (laughs) When you say you're very resistant to something, I'm always asking like, why? Not because I'm trying to be mean, but rather I want to understand so that I can help you reshape it. So a lot of people use S&M as a way to outlet. Some people crave pain. Some people love it. Like they are such masochists in a way that somehow pain lights them up. And it also means that to me, from the people that I've known and then for myself as well, the more I trust my partner, the more pain I can take. So it's almost like a gauge. Because if I don't trust you, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to relax. I'm not going to let go. My mind is going to be racing. I'm going to be in fight or flight mode. And oftentimes when you engage in BDSM, fight or flight does happen. So it can be dangerous if you don't know how to ease into it. And I just know that when I can take more pain, it means I trust my partner that much more. Interesting. Okay. It doesn't have to be all out. Okay. I'll just close with this. You can start off with like light spankings. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like barbed wire or anything. So we talk about <laughs> Danielle and her barbed wire. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't have to go all out. It could be really, really light spankings, love taps. You can bite. That's a form of SM because your sadists derive pleasure from giving pain, but they didn't say how much pain you had to give. Yeah. It's all subjective. And masochists derive pleasure from receiving it. So it's like if you bit someone gently, even that is a form of SNM. Yeah. All right. So that's for a tough the topic, so it is yeah. a tough topic. It, it absolutely like is. And, and here's the thing. Um, so if you're listening to this, like judge it, don't judge it. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, what I want you to do is have a healthy conversation with your spouse about what you think, what you believe, what you're curious about, and let it be an opportunity to deepen your relationship. And Veronica, where are those, where are the resources where our listeners can find, you know, if you're curious on where to start, how do we get started? So I will leave a special link for your listeners, which I will throw in a whole bunch of resources. I do run a membership site teaching people how to explore kink in a really welcoming and educational way, especially couples. And so I will throw in the resources I know that I think will be beneficial to this conversation. And then you guys can drop it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh my gosh, Veronica. I feel like we've just, we've learned so much today. <laughs> yeah. It's been very stretching. 
and um and interesting like i'm i'm excited i'm excited to to have to talk about this more with you daniel yeah yeah all right Veronica. i'm excited to hear like your progress <laughs> yeah yeah we'll definitely I, we'll, we'll be we'll be uh posting about it for sure yes yes um i don't know are we going to take pictures <gasps> good lord woman oh my gosh <sighs> all right veronica thanks for joining us on the show you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you. All right. So that was a great conversation. I got to admit, I was a little scared going into it. Absolutely. And honestly, I'm a little anxious coming out of it because, you know, it's just such a complicated topic. I'm glad we had somebody like Veronica who could break it down for us and, and really help make it a little simple. Because when I, when I think about the whole concept of BDSM, it's just scary and intimidating and, and, um, there's so much judgment that I have around it. I so, did, I did owe that. <laughs> so it's a touchy topic to be sure. Um, pardon the pun, but it's okay to be curious and to talk about this, especially in the context of your marriage. So we want to give you some opportunity to have a great conversation about this topic. And so we're going to offer up a few questions for you, a little discussion guide. Put those in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes, but uh, here, it, here it is. So here's four or five questions that you can use to have a healthy conversation about kink and BDSM. Number one, what are you curious are you just, about? Are you just drilling me here, honey? No, no. Stop with the puns. What are you curious about? Well, I'm just curious about the submission and dominance thing. Yeah. That was, there was some more there. There was some good stuff there. Yeah. Interesting. Just like the, the willing exchange of power, like there's, there's something there. Um, question number two, what scares you? Well, the thing that scares me is uh, that you would, that we would start down some kind of a path together and then it would go to like a dark kind of place. I guess that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah, like anything, there's a shadow to it. Sure. Um, what is something from the interview that you might agree with? Well, I really agreed with the aspect of not feeling shame or condemnation in something that's been created in you. It's just part of you, and you don't need to include outside influences or shame in what you do with your spouse. So Yeah. So it's okay to be you. Do it. Excellent. And what's something you might try? Well, I may have a scarf with some few ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk about that more after, after we're done here. Um, yeah. So the whole idea is to have the conversation Build some intimacy and connection. And if you want to try stuff, try stuff. Because essentially, between a husband and a wife, what the Bible says, which is kind of our foundation, sure. is it's all on the table. If you're both interested, both consenting, it's all on the table. There's so, a few exceptions that, yeah. uh, that, that are broken down in the Bible. But yeah, he created us to uh, have pleasure together. Yeah. So let's do it. So go. That's the challenge this week. Pull up this... Uh, discussion guide in the show notes and have a conversation about kink with your spouse. 
Yes. And next week we are going to be coming full circle because we'll be talking about healing from sexual trauma with therapist Chris Bruno. So he encourages couples to engage in the healing work together needed to restore their sex to a healthy and fulfilling place. This is going to be a really challenging conversation because it's all too real and prevalent to face the reality that each spouse brings to sex, not only that moment, but a whole lifetime of wounding and experience. Yeah, Chris gives us some real practical ways to heal together and not to push aside or forget, but to redeem that past story together. You are not going to want to miss it. As always, we'll be talking about this week's topic from the podcast over in our Facebook group. So come join the conversation in our free community there on Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support, encourage, inspire, and share about transforming marriage from ordinary to legendary. Yeah, just search for Legendary Marriage Group or visit legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes over at legendarymarriage.com slash 064. Don't forget to jump on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary.